It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe Podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. We have a great interview for you today. It's a Friday edition of the podcast, so we love to talk to some uh, people from various backgrounds, um, different times, uh, people from different times I've crossed paths with over the years. And today we're doing something a little different. I've talked to a lot of officials before, football, basketball, baseball umpires, and uh, today we're, we're doing something a little different. Uh, I said, you know what? I haven't had a coach on this podcast yet. Someone I've umpired their games. And now that I'm um, not umpiring, I, I think it is uh, something that is, uh, you know, you always want to respect the, the each, each uh, craft, if you will, and not, you know, get, uh, I don't know, too friendly, too unfriendly. You know, there's a, there's a fine line, right? That coach umpire relationship. But uh, it is my privilege today to bring to the program uh, Randy Benton, the baseball coach for Cal Poly Pomona University. Um, going to have a lot of fun today. I've umpired a lot of Randy's games, and uh, today is going to be some fun. We're going to talk about uh, his baseball background and also maybe some war stories and things. Uh, this, should be, uh, this should be a blast. Let's not waste any more time. Let's bring him on uh, right away. And there he is, Randy Benton, head, head <laughs> coach of Cal Poly Pomona. Welcome to the program. Well, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited about uh, meeting with you and chatting a little bit. You know, Randy, usually when I see you, uh, we're each in a uniform. You have lineup cards for me. Um, <laughs> we're either in a good mood from our previous weekend uh, or in a bad mood, you know, uh, and, you know, speaking for you and me as coaches and umpires, but this is going to be nice. Just a chance to chat and, uh, yeah. you know, look back on some baseball memories and things. There's no doubt. And, and there's no stress, you know, I'm at my house and, uh, I'm chill mode. I got my dogs laying by me, so I'm pretty relaxed. So this is going to be great. Oh, absolutely. Sounds great, man. Well, let me ask you right off the bat. Um, you know, the year 2020 hit everyone hard, especially in the world of uh, college athletics. Now, professional sports, they were able to do maybe some things that college athletics can't do. And, and in 2020, the season, all of levels of baseball, uh, got canceled. And so going into 2021, there was hope that we'd be able to put some seasons together. Division one has played some division two has played, but uh, for the conference, you guys play in the CCAA, hmm. to my understanding, you guys were unable to play. So tell me what that has been like and kind of going into a school year, knowing you guys aren't playing baseball this year. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that was really tough. That was a hard conversation. With the team, we found out in December we weren't going to be able to play, and um, uh, we had hopes of that we would return. There'd be some protocol that we could get back, and it just never came to fruition. And uh, yeah, once they canceled the season, that was a real tough uh, Zoom. Uh, that's how we communicate with the team is a Zoom, and uh, to let them know that we weren't going to play and there wasn't going to be a season, we weren't going to be together. Uh, you know, with baseball, as you know, it's a journey along the way, and uh, to not have that with these guys and um, still going academically, um, but we love the baseball side of it and we miss it. So yeah, it was, that was painful. 
where were you uh, last year in March, March of 2020, mm-hmm. when everything happened? I still remember vividly the last game I worked and walking away from the field after hearing everything and being like, man, we might not play again. So what was that like? Take me back to March 2020 for you. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we had just gotten back from San Francisco State and preparing for Sonoma State to come to our place that weekend. And uh, the Sonoma coach called me and just said, hey, I don't think we're going to come down. I'm like, okay, I knew, I knew this was going. I know uh, COVID was kind of coming around a little bit more. And uh, he said the, the team's not comfortable. The parents aren't comfortable with us flying down. And, and uh, I called my administration and said, hey, it looks like we're not going to have a game. So we need to go through the steps of canceling the weekend or suspending. I remember that was the big thing is <laughs> we're going to suspend uh, a little bit. And uh, we used that word with the team. We held a meeting uh, saying, hey, we're just going to suspend play for a little bit, have a long spring break, and we'll be back. And then it just went further suspension or postponement, and then it went to, okay, the season's over. So uh, we were at home in the cage. It was a rainy day. I, I still remember it, too. You, yeah. you say you remember the last series. I, I remember the last practice. I was in the cage uh, throwing BP and just happened to have my phone with me, and, uh, and that was it. And that was, the, that was it. So, yeah, March <laughs> 2013, Friday the 13th was my oh, last day at work. That's right. That's uh, yeah. scary. It's eerie. <laughs> uh, so you go through the whole summer hoping, okay, hey, and, and it's got to be tough telling your guys, because I got to figure in a normal year, your season ends in May, May hopefully later uh, with postseason mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And you have the summer, guys go play ball somewhere. So you know they're getting sharp. And then the fall rolls around and, you know, constantly telling your guys, hey, stay sharp, stay in the cage, uh, keep your arms loose. But mm-hmm. with this year and the uncertainty going into 2021, what was the challenge there in keeping track of guys, for lack of a better term? Yeah, it was really hard. Uh, we, with with the the campus, what they wanted us to do. I, I'm trying to word this as best I can. We weren't allowed to deal with or meet with the players only on Zoom calls. We couldn't, um, and it, we couldn't make it mandatory. So we couldn't say, "Hey." I need you to get in the weight room three times a week. Well, gyms were closed. We didn't have anything available on campus. Uh, parks there for a little bit were shut down. So guys were just finding anywhere that they, in the street, they were just trying to play catch or, or hit in their backyard cage, wherever they could do anything. And, and they couldn't report back to me what they were doing or what they weren't doing. So I just took it on good faith. Like, hey, we're going to come back. I hope you're ready to go. We're going to hit the ground running once we get back. And uh, that was kind of through the summer. Uh, then going into the fall, same thing. You're on your own. Uh, here's kind of some weight, some suggested weight, weight workout <laughs> programs, body weight programs, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, whatever you could do, home gyms, um, you know, make sure we're dry swing, we're playing catch into net, whatever you could do. But I couldn't monitor that. I couldn't proctor that. I had no way. They couldn't even send me video of them working out. It, it was, it was a, little, uh, uh, a little panic for us coaches, but but also had faith that we've recruited the right kids that they were going to do something on their own. Um, and, and then once December came and we found out we weren't going to play then after that, I was like, okay, I don't know who's going to do what at that point. So um, we just kind of focused on the academic side um, after that. So tell me as far as the kids, I mean, you know, a college player's uh, lifespan is not very long mm-hmm. and you, you throw this whole thing into the mix. Um, the fact that the, the conference wasn't going to play baseball this year, it had to be disappointing when you look at other conferences in the division, some schools, even up the street from you guys that are playing baseball. And you're like, why can't we? Um, mm-hmm. But as far as like an eligibility standpoint, what did it mean to the players 
did players uh, end up looking elsewhere? Did it, how did it affect your program in that way? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I, I'm going to be uh, transparent here. I told the guys if they could transfer, you should try and transfer. Um, you know, we hadn't played, we played 20 games in two years. And, and as you alluded to, your baseball career is short. There's only a short period of time. So academically, they were still moving forward. But athletically, the NCAA kept giving them years back. We weren't playing, so they were using those opportunities to get drafted or be seen or win championships or uh, complete their eligibility. Um, so we had a few kids transfer out. Um, most of the kids stayed. A majority of them stayed because they were you know, getting closer to that, that degree, which is the most important thing. But yet, obviously, the opportunity to play baseball was important to them as well. Um, so they just, you know, we just tried to stay as positive as we can in that aspect, but, uh, it was, it was really, um, it's been really hard on those guys. I, I think that is, uh, incredibly, uh, honorable of you because I don't know if a lot of coaches would have done that. A lot of coaches probably said, Hey, stick it out. Hey, we're in this together, all that stuff, you know, but I think it seems like you and your staff had the best interest of the student athlete at heart at all times. And that's what that speaks to me about. Yeah, that, yeah that's true. That's what our program, it's family-based. We always say that. I know every <laughs> other program say it's family-based, but truly we care about the kids and we care about the, the careers, not only athletically, but academically. And those are the two most important things, obviously off the field. If we have an open door policy. If there's anything that's going on, we'll help them listen to them, guide them if we can, or just listen, just be there to help them uh, in any way that we can. So yeah, we told the team it's going to be painful if you do leave, but there's no hard feelings. We completely understand it and we're willing to help you. And we did what we could. Um, I didn't want to see, I told them I didn't want to see him leave because I love them. I truly do. I love these kids. They're like my own kids, uh, but I also want to support them in any way that I can to be the best version of themselves. And if they feel like they need to transfer out, then, then by God, let's, let's do it and find a place that's that you're going to play. Well said. Very well said. Well, um, yeah, Randy, you've been the leader of the Cal Poly Pomona program for quite some time. Yeah. Now, when uh, was your first year at Cal Poly Pomona? How long have you been there now? Yeah, this is a crazy story too, man. I mean, I got all these crazy stories that come up for, with Coach Betton here. I actually took the job mid-year. Uh, Mike Ashman uh, retired in October. So that was the fall semester or quarter system back then. And I took the job in January. So I had one month to prepare a team uh, for the 2011, 2011 uh, season. And we were one game away from going to the World Series. So I inherited a really good bunch of kids. Um, I came in with, with the coach fired up, uh, adrenaline, energy, let's go. And the kids responded to that. And uh, yeah, we, uh, so that was 2011. That was my first season, man. That is 10 years ago. That is crazy. It, it goes fast. 10 oh, seasons. <laughs> well, I bet. And, and Ashman now is a coach for the angels, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. He throws BP and, and uh, he's a hitting coach, assistant hitting coach with the angels. Awesome stuff. Well, before, yeah. before him, uh, you know, John Scalinos is a, a legend mm -hmm. at, at Cal Poly Pomona, not just a, a great coach, but someone who really inspired uh, young man to be the best at whatever they were doing. Uh, fun fact, he actually spoke at my baccalaureate when I graduated yeah. in 2003. So it was great yeah. hearing him uh, speak before he, uh, he passed away. But yeah. 
so, so what do you make on, on, on taking the reins of the Cal Poly Pomona program that had a strong history, uh, you know, especially, I mean, the field is named after, uh, mm-hmm. you know, coach Scalinos. I mean, just take me through what that was like in taking the reins of a program with that type of history and following in the footsteps of a man like that. Yeah, boy, if I can do half a quarter of what this, <laughs> this man did, uh, I've achieved something. And, and, you know, honestly, when I took the job in a roundabout story, the guy that mentored me, Dennis Rogers, was mentored and played for Coach Scalinas. Uh, so in a roundabout way, it all came full circle for me to, to be uh, the opportunity, I guess, better word, yeah. uh, to be the, the skipper and head coach at Cal Poly Pomona. It came full reign for me. But, uh, uh, man, I can't live up to that guy. That guy, I, we, Jimmy Ramos, who's on our staff, he's been connected with Cal Poly for over 40 years, played there, uh, coached with Coach. Um, I always ask him, what would coach do here in these certain situations, maybe on the field, maybe off the field, what would coach do? And Jimmy gives me what coach would do. Um, man, what a well-respected man. And I just try and, you know, honestly say a little prayer going, coach, guide me today, man. If yeah. help me to, you know, make you proud of this, this program and guide it in the right direction that how you would want it done. Um, honestly, I do that. Um, you know, sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, or if we're in a slump or something, Hey, put your guiding hand on me, man. Help, help me do what you wanted me to do. And, uh, you know, I always have Dennis who I can call and go, Hey, what would coach do here? Is that, and he always says, it's not what coach would do. It's what you're going to do. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh man. Okay. That's too much, you know, but, uh, like I said, if I can just do a little bit of, of what he did, not only wins and losses, but the impact that he had on, on kids' lives and, and now grown adults' lives. And guys still come back, alumni still come back and say, hey, coach meant so much to me. Or, or you, like you said, hey, he spoke at my, my graduation baccalaureate, whatever it was. I have that all the time. I'll get emails saying, hey, coach did this, did that for me. And I hear those all the time. And I go, man, what a special man. Yeah. What a special story this guy had. What's amazing with Coach Scalinos, again, I got to hear him speak, which was awesome, but you almost, when he started talking, the stories you hear about him, you almost forget he's a baseball coach. Mm-hmm. Like, that was like secondary to him changing lives, and, and he had tremendous success, the three national titles and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely a pioneer of the program, if you will, yeah. and uh, wanted to give you a chance to talk about him. Uh, awesome stuff. Well, Randy, the field itself, your facility at Cal Poly, it's seen some great improvements the past few years. Uh, you yeah. put lights in, which was a big deal, right, for you guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. What, yep. what huge. What other improvements recently have you guys done? I know you're not playing, but still the past few years, what have the, you know, the transitioning of the, of the program here to a, you know, the better facility. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the lights were our first phase one. Uh, so we spent 1.2, $1.3 million to make sure the lights, we got the best lights that we could. Um, they're off the chart. They're unbelievable. Uh, we had Musco lighting come in and do it all. It's, it's top notch stuff. Phase two was the field. So we redid the whole field, fencing, new backstop, turf around the back, uh, home plate area, um, bullpen areas are redone now. Um, it was all about uh, dugouts are still uh, a work in progress. We're working on those. We, we only had enough money to do the field and the fencing and the backstop. Uh, that was another $750,000, $800,000. So there's been well over $2 million poured into that facility for Coach Scalinas. And a large majority has been um, alumni support or fundraise dollars. Uh, the school uh, has, has backed us and the administration staff has backed us and said, hey, how can we help? How can we make this a great facility? Uh, 
you've done well, not only academically, but you've done well on the field. How can we make it a nationally recognized program again? And uh, they've stepped up. So uh, we're proud of what we have uh, this year. Phase three is rest permanent restrooms. Thank, thank the Lord. We'll get rid of the porta potties. Uh, and we're going to have an umpire's room. So it's going to be an umpire's room, a men's and women's restroom, and then a concession ticket area. So we're excited about that. Umpire room. I like it. Yeah. Although I, I will yeah. say the, 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 the room we used to be in, those were the best showers in baseball, man. It was like a, yeah. a fire hose coming out of there. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, so there's one, uh, I'm glad to hear about the renovations and everything yeah. because I was yeah. thinking about when is the last time I saw Randy and it just hit me talking about your field. I was working home plate and there was a pop-up behind home plate and I ran back me and the catcher, seeing if he was going to catch it. And I stepped in a hole on your field. I stepped in a hole. I rolled my ankle. Oh, I, I, I thought I, I thought I broke it. I really did. And, uh, I was so mad that yeah. Why is there a hole? Back here yeah. in the I, I remember that. I can remember because I came out and checked on you. I mean, which, which any person would do. And yeah. you were limping around and you didn't want any part of me because you were mad. Like, <laughs> how do you have a gopher hole or a hole over there? How does this happen? And I'm like, have you, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. But you know what? You were a chief and I think you hung in there, man. You, you didn't limp around. You got down the bases. You gave me the best effort you could that day. That was, you did. I swear. Hey, that's all I ask is as how you umpires is just give me. And I, you had a, you had a crutch where you could have said, Randy, man, my ankles broke, yeah. but you know, you grinded it out. I remember you came in the dugout, you cooled off a little bit. You came in the dugout. I think you might've got some tape or let the trainer look at it or something. And you finally like, what's going on here? And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> I was a little hot. Cause I knew, I was like, Oh man. Yeah. That, that really hurt. I, I think I missed a game after that. And the rest of the year oh, dude, uh, I was, I was hobbling, but uh, made it through oh, it. You man. know, some players were used to getting hit by baseballs and things, but that was, Oh, I'm glad there's turf back there now. Make sure yeah. there's no holes, no holes in the I, turf. Huh? I, you know, after that, I usually pride myself on, on making sure there's none of that. And I, you just happen to get like in a sink. I don't know. It was, it was, it was scary. It was scary. Honestly, I, yeah. I did think, I thought you went, I mean, I've seen some umpires go down, but you went down quite awkwardly too. I thought, I thought that was it. I thought you were done. Yeah. I was, I was just this uncoordinated kid running back. I'm like, no, I stepped in a hole that shouldn't be here and didn't see it. I got snipered from the uh, light tower, but uh, um, you got the call, right? You got the call, right? <laughs> oh boy. Uh, it was embarrassing. So anyway, uh, yeah, Randy, we, I've umpired a lot of your games over the years, usually at least one series uh, a season, sometimes a couple, um, at home on the road, you know, we cross paths. And so we have, we have a few stories that we can, uh, <laughs> we can share. I'm sure if you're willing to, I told, I told Barnes the other day, actually, uh, Bill Barnes, who I recorded, yeah. uh, put a show out every Wednesday, the weekly Wednesday way in with Bill Barnes, where he vents and lets out his uh, life's frustrations. Um, but Bill's a former umpire for those who don't know, and umpired a lot of your games. I yep. said, yeah, Randy Benton's coming on. And, and he said, man, that's great. And uh, I said, yeah, Randy's really good at, uh, well, he's, he's good at, ta he's good at tackling assistant coaches. Cause I've seen him do it a time or two. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. You were there for that. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's bad. That was so, bad. My, my favorite uh, memory at Cal yeah. Paul. And we all laugh about it now in, in the moment. It wasn't fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> game game two game one of a doubleheader and it was like a four-hour game 
And I, uh, whatever, I think it was a check swing. I sent, I even sent it down to my partner and he yeah. said, no, and assistant <laughs> coach yours, Mr. Brett Lashman yeah, jumps yeah. the rail. He's coming out after me and, uh, you're grabbing him or whatever. And he, he gets to me, I eject him. He spikes his hat and he said, uh, something of along the lines of, damn, Matt, I really like you, but you bleeped us today. And yeah, I was like, yeah, all yeah. right, all right, we're, we're done. Anyway. That's my side of the story. What was your side? <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Uh, gosh, I remember that was a, it, it was a ball, you know, as a check swing ball and dirt. I, I think if I recall that yeah. and we threw it and then the catcher threw it away. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. It's something like that. Mm -hmm. And Latch came flying out. I'm trying to grab him <laughs> and he's much larger man than me. And, and he's swinging me around and, and, and finally I'm like, all right, let him go. Let him, he, he, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't stop him. He was yeah. going to say his piece. I, I remember that. And, uh, uh, you know, it's in the heat of the moment. We all yeah. get raw competitive and, and I know you guys want to get it right. You know, it's not one where you're like, Hey, you know, there was no intent there, but you know, it's sometimes, uh, moments get the best of us at that point. But I remember that play now, yeah. Christian Kelly was the catcher, you know, Great Christian's catcher. playing. Yeah. He's playing in triple a with the, with Pittsburgh. I think he's now with Seattle to be honest with you, but um, great catcher. Yeah. So, uh, God, that was in that seat that play didn't make a breaker season, but you know, we made it, we made it feel like it did, you know, of course, of course, every, yeah. every play is a big play. And yeah, he came yeah. out so funny. I think it was my first college ejection actually. And, oh. He's like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't. and I'm like, he spikes his hat. And it was so funny what he said. God's like, not at the time. He's like, I like yeah. you, but you have this today. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, well, <laughs> I, I really did. And it, it's just, it yeah. I remember that. I do oh, remember that. So funny. Uh, Christian. Yeah. yeah well, fun thing about Christian. I don't know why I remember all these things, but I do. Yeah. Uh, he was catcher. He was honest, uh, you know, just in your relationship with an umpire. Mm. And, you know, he catched that pitch, you know, that was off the plate that you guys threw for a close one to get the kid and the parents, the moms behind it. And he, you know, you ball it and the, the all the moms would lose their mind. <laughs> and he would laugh and kind of over his shoulder to me like, oh, you got to love moms, right? Moms. <laughs> Mom's won every pitch. <laughs> yeah. He, he has got a great sense of humor, you know, uh, takes the game serious, but yet can, can interact. He understood the umpire catcher relationship and, mm -hmm. and, and wanted to make sure he did that well. And, uh, uh, man, what a treat it was to coach that guy. But yeah, I could hear him saying that to you too. <laughs> hey, mom's won every pitch. Don't they? <laughs> it was I uh, another story. If I, you know, I remember yeah. correctly, let's see, uh, both of these were at San Bernardino. Cal State San Bernardino, uh, Fiscalini Field, uh, lovely, lovely place. Not really, but yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, historical place, we'll say, for a former Cal League. And uh, I was the play at the plate. A kid slid in, and, and I thought that, that he got in there under the tag. I thought, you know, and you came out. We didn't – it wasn't heated or anything. It was just like, man, it looked like the ball beat him and the tag was down. I said, I said, Randy, he got his foot under the – on the plate before the tag was applied. <laughs> And you looked at me and you go, Matt, he slid head first. I went, ah, I got nothing. I, got yeah. nothing. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember that one. That that's why I'm almost, I'm almost hyperventilating because I remember you kind of gave me that look like you're right. <laughs> what do you want me to and do? I just, but what are we going to do? You, there's no redos. You can't send everybody back. <laughs> I just remember going back and the coaches go, what do you got? I go, I think I won, but we didn't win. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just kind of go, well, yeah, I think he knew he got it wrong, but That's good. you know, you know, th there's, 
there's ones that come to about i remember that one uh you pulled it out of me because i remember it and uh you know sometimes sometimes we get them right you know as coaches we'll be like hey you know it's not i try and when i argue i try not to go straight at it unless it's really wrong you know and and i i don't feel like we got the right call or the right position you know i honest i honestly love the game of baseball in a sense where I understand there's judgments. It's quick. It's bang, bang. I've umpired, umpired inter-squad games. It's not easy. So I understand <laughs> it's hard, but yet I just want to get it right. I want to be in the best position to make the play. These guys have worked extremely hard. I just want to get it right. Yeah. So that's all I ask. So I try and go out and go, hey, what do you got? Tell me what you got. This is what I saw. Could we maybe get together? If we can't, you know, just, just okay, I said my piece. Yeah. You know, I know some some guys like to go out there and just be like, Hey, squeaky wheel, ah, throw their hands up and down, be, be all over the place and hopefully get it changed. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, they might be right. I might be right. But at the end of the day, it's just baseball. <laughs> it's baseball. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not going to get them all right. Yeah. We Randy, try our <laughs> Randy, I have an answer for you. It's not a good answer, but here's my yeah. answer. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, you know, you talked about Bill. There was one in that 2011. I'm going to bring this up if you don't mind. Here we go. Uh, okay. Yeah. We lose. He's the crew chief. And it's the championship game to go to the World Series. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the ninth inning. We're down by three runs, and we got first and, first and third and a left-hand hitter up. And they're holding the runner on. And I'm like, man, what are they doing holding the runner? And Bill's at third. And they do the old quick 31 play, and my guy gets picked off. And I go running out there. And all I said to Bill is, this is how it ends? <laughs> like, I, he, he looked at me and goes, I don't know what to tell you. Yes. This is how it ends. You, you should have saw that they were holding them. I mean, anyways, he gave me the whole, and I go, Bill, that's, I, I wasn't mad. Yeah. I was mad at the time, but I was like, this, this is how it ends. He's like, yeah, this is how your season ends. Just like that. So I live with that one still. I will never get, well, they've taken that out of the game, but I'll never lose on that one again. I, yeah. I told myself. So well, what's funny is, is Bill said that story actually a few times. He's, he's mentioned oh, okay. that. So it's funny to hear it from your side is exactly how he said it. it okay. Okay. Corroborated. Of course. Of course. That's how it ends, Bill. That's how it ends. Yeah. yeah. He said that. Yeah. So it ends. I go, that's how it, that's how the season ends. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. It was ter- whatever. Oh, yeah. and then the last one I have, uh, yeah. it was, a uh, it was at San Bernardino again. And I, I'll try to paint a picture for everyone on this. Okay. Uh, we showed up and I don't like saying necessarily some guys are really like, Oh, I got a great relationship with this coach or I have a great rapport. It's like, it's a fine line. Really. It's like, it's, it's not really a friendship relationship. It's just, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a business relationship type thing with based off mutual respect. But anyway, mm-hmm. I showed up and it, I was working with two guys I had never worked with They were from out of the state actually. And one of them, I did not trust. I'll just say that. And yeah, First inning starts. I got both dugouts screaming at him. Uh, he he warns you, and then like he ejects the other coach right away. And I'm going. This is going to be a long weekend. And I think it was like the first inning, and you come jogging out to me because you had known me, and you go, Matt, yeah. I have a question on the, uh, the ground rules. And I roll my eyes. I'm like, this isn't a great question. Yeah. And so you start pointing at the outfield fence. I'm at third base, and you're pointing at the outfield yeah. fence, making it look like you're talking to me about a ground rule. And I played along and I said, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a tough weekend, Randy. You know, uh, yeah, the ball goes into the tarp, you know, whatever. Uh, I said something along the lines of, look, we're all here with people we don't know or probably trust. Uh, we're just going to have to get through the weekend. Like, yeah. it is what it is. So I remember that conversation just because we were like, 
doing the whole pantomime thing with, yeah, the pointing at the outfield wall, talking about something completely different. Yeah, I totally remember that. And you were coaching third because they're out of the third base dug or I'm coaching third. You were umpiring third. Yeah. And I think I ran over there, right? Is that correct? And, That's it. And we were looking over there and <laughs> and 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 I go, what what's going on? What I missed? Like, why is everybody all you know fired up today? I, I you know, is it gonna be a tight zone? And and you're like, that's exactly what you and I remember running back to the dugout going, that's fair. I you know, I I will say with umpires, it, and you you paint a good picture, it's a business relationship it's mutual respect on both sides and i know how hard it is yes i want it right and yes i want a fair game and we understand you know there's going to be some good plays there's going to be some tough calls there's going to be some close calls but but all we ask is a fair game and and for the most part we get that and it, it is that that respect it's not hey i favor this guy or favor this guy or yeah. hey i like this umpire you know i understand zones you know and and i know which guy's zones and as long as they're with consistency with that, there's not going to be any issue. Cause I hate, I hate arguing balls and strikes. I'll be honest. You guys hate it. We hate it. You know, it's, it is what it is, but you, you, the, in that mutual respect, I think you defined the coach umpire relationship the best there. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, yeah. Arguing zones, it never really ends well for anybody really. No. And sometimes it makes things worse, but you know, I always tell people this regarding baseball, you know, Baseball umpiring the plate itself, it's very difficult in the sense that it's an imaginary box and it's mm -hmm. another human's judgment as to what that imaginary box is. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to live with that at times as to what it is. And I've been on the field with really good guys and really bad guys. And it, it's, it's just funny to me that there's all this scrutiny at times. It's like, man, this is an imaginary box and a guy won't swing at a pitch that he thinks is that far off or whatever. And I'm like, don't leave it up to another guy's judgment. I mean, if it's mm -hmm. a, an egregious pitch, that's one thing. So that's just my two cents uh, as far as yeah. umpiring goes. But um, there's nothing worse. I got to tell you, is it the same way with coaches? Let me tell you, that, let me ask you this. As an umpire, when I know the two schools I'm going to, I, I usually know the coaches who I'm dealing with. And um, again, it's not a favoritism thing at all. I, mm -hmm. I want to make that clear, but you look, you know, you look at the names and you're like, okay, this is going to be tough or, Hey man, this should be a, an easy weekend. Cause these two coaches are, are pretty, is it are pretty, uh, you know, they're competitive, but they're not going to cross the line. Um, whereas as coaches, is it similar in the sense you look at names on a list who your umpires mm -hmm. are and you're like, Oh boy, or Hey man, we're going to be fine this weekend. Yeah. You, you know, you were, I guess we've had each other or worked with each other so much. You kind of have a feeling of what, who they are, what the personalities are, you know, but everybody has a bad day. Hey, I have a bad day coaching. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we all do there. There's things maybe off the field that are, are affecting me on the field, just like players or, or umpires. There's all kinds of, of things we can't control, but, but yes, I look at the list and I go, okay, this is what I know with this one. Hey, the zone's going to be a little bit smaller. Or, hey, we got to make sure we got a guy that can, can get it in there. We got to know that secondary pit, you know, a bang, bang plays. He usually goes this way on those plays. Uh, hey, sometimes he doesn't get always in the best position. So let's, you know, make sure we're not chirping or, or maybe he's got a short fuse. So mm. I'll tell the team, Hey, no talking to the umpire. You shouldn't talk to him anyways, but, but no, no addressing. <laughs> even if you think it's an outrageous call, you keep your mouth shut. I'll protect, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe the guy's got a short trigger on that. And players get a three-game suspension. I only get one, so hey, rather go. get me thrown out. But <laughs> but yes, we know who they are. But but again, again, we want to have that mutual respect. And and I honestly just 
look at who we got and go, okay, we know what we have today. This is how we're going to deal yeah. with because there's no change in an umpire. You no. can't, you can't bring in a replacement guy and you just deal with it. So, so let me, let me ask you this. When you've never seen a guy before, you've never heard uh, of an umpire before. Um, what are some things you look for as, and you got, this is the thing with coaches is they have mm-hmm. a million things to be doing. I'm, I'm sure what uh, dissecting the umpires isn't your main thing, but is it a good thing if you don't notice anything about the guy or are you kind of looking at some characteristics or, or umpire traits in guys when you've never seen them before? Well, if I've never seen a guy, I'm just looking to, is he going to give me an effort? Is, yeah. is what's his body language? Like, what's his energy? Like, well, if I go out and make a pitching change or whatever, is he communicating with me? Uh, yeah, I, I love it when I never have to see an umpire for a whole weekend. I never have to go challenge a play uh, or just, you know, he's not even in the picture. It's just easy. It's smooth. But not all games are like that. But, no. <laughs> but you know what? A funny thing is, as I keep notes on games, I'll keep notes on umpires. Like, hey, man, he got in a great position. He gave me the effort. Hey, I went out and addressed him this way. You, you start to figure out personalities. And you, as a coach, just like I know my players' personalities, I start to learn umpires' personalities. Like who, who sometimes can handle a little chirping at from the dugout and who can't? Who will give me a dugout warning that quick? Oh, okay, little note, little note next to it. Okay, now I know. Now I know. Hey, don't mess with Randy. You know, in a heated situation, don't, don't talk to Randy during this spot, you know, whatever. So, uh, <laughs> but if it's somebody I've never, I'm looking at characteristics and, and presentation. Um, you know, is it a quick strike call? Is it a little delayed strike call? Uh, is it safe out quick on it? Is there a little, you want to learn their personalities as, as they're learning or, because everybody has a, a unique way of how they umpire and how they coach. So oh, well hopefully said. they're learning me too. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, that goes yeah. without saying, if you're not kind of uh, analyzing the players and the coaches you're around, um, then you're, you're, you, you're not, you have an umpire long enough or, you know, you're not watching the right things. Like mm-hmm. there's more to the game than just seeing a play at first base or whatever. So yeah. uh, I always, my thought is always with umpiring, like, and as far as, as teams and coaches go is, you know, you, you can't be the guy that just ignores everything and let guys say whatever they want. And you also can't be the guy that hears every little word. There's a fine line mm-hmm. and you cannot get walked over, but you also can't be the guy that walks out there you know, with the, the sheriff badge. Hey, I'm in charge today. You, you can't be either of those extremes because uh, it's a disservice to the game. And our coach is going to yell at times or argue. Yeah, that's part of the game, but you cannot just be a guy that just wears it all the time. And when I worked with guys, yeah. that's what I would tell them. It says, Hey, you need to address that. I'm not saying mm-hmm. eject the guy, but you need to at least stand up and say like, Hey, that's, you know, anything, say anything, but don't just get walked. And then you can't be the guy, like I said, that is just what you say, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those no, are my you, you're exactly right. And, and uh, you know, I appreciate the umpire that if say my dugout's trip and I don't hear everything or, or there said something or somebody threw a, did something that shouldn't have done could be a possible, you know, ejection. Maybe what, maybe didn't even get that far, but just something was said belligerently, whatever. I appreciate the umpire. Hey, between innings, Hey, Randy, come here. You know, same thing. How kind of how we had our little power where we're pointing out there. It just comes out, calls me. I goes, Hey man, I didn't appreciate that. Can you address that? Cause I'm going to, I know for me and, you know, and people know my program, I'm going to address that right there. And that's a stop. Uh, rather than the guy that comes out, pumps the chest, look at me. I got, I got the umpire stuff on, get out of here, Randy, yeah. you know, make a spectacle. Cause now my dugout is maybe it's a super competitive close game. 
it's one pitch here, one pitch there, and now it's heightened, right? And now all of a sudden that guy does that. Now everybody's on hit on that guy and looking for that guy. And as soon as he gets something wrong, you know, now you got 35 young guys who are competitive yelling like crazy at him. So <laughs> there, you know, and I think that's, that's a good feel for the game. And that's what we're looking to. We want umpires to have a feel for the game. You know, I'm not, if my guy gets picked off first base, say I'm not giving, I didn't give a steal sign. He gets picked off first base and, and the umpire, you know, bangs him. Or say I did give him the steal sign and the, you know, he gets picked off or something. That's on me. I'm not going to go out there and argue that call if it's bang, bang. I mean, that's on me. I, I wear that one. And my, probably my assistant coaches want to agree with me. You need to go argue that call. I'm like, no, that was on me. You know, if, if a bad base running mistake or uh, we dropped a ball and uh, bobbled a ball and the guy's safe and it's a bang banger that no, that's something we could have controlled. So I'm not going to go argue that. No, that's, that's really well said. I mean, it's a bigger picture here than, you know, just the play itself. It's like what led up to the play, how, you know, if we had fixed those things, then it wouldn't even got to that point. So that's Mm -hmm. usually how the analytical side of baseball goes with arguments and things. But, yeah. but I think like for, I got to tell you, Randy, like it's one of the, I haven't umpired in, you know, a year or so now, but it is one of the most annoying things to have to deal with in college baseball is, you know, it's a very energetic atmosphere with the teams, passionate, all that. Mm-hmm. But when that crosses over into the kind of that unsportsman like behavior and as an umpire, you don't want to get in the middle of that stuff, but we have to, it's our job. And so, yeah, there are times I think I've even told you like, Hey, Randy, that's too much. That's it, it's yeah. too much. I don't want to have to deal with this. Please take charge, take charge of it. And, and you always did anytime I dealt with you, yeah. but there's yeah. uh, and then occasionally there's times again, when you have to act, you have to step in and uh, I don't know, make an example of someone. It didn't happen that yeah. often, but you know, yeah. that's the game. Well, the, you know, that's the college baseball. We're trying to keep the guys engaged and, and we believe that energy in the dugout, supporting our guys, rooting our guys on maybe some antics, maybe some orchestrated stuff. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, you know, we're trying to keep the 35th kid engaged, you know what I mean? And, and if he's not on the field, he wants to have fun doing it, you know, and still be a part of it. But yet if we're at a library all the time, you know, that that's not how I want my dugout. I want my dugout to be fun, but yet there, there is that happy medium. If you get guys chirping at umpires or are chirping at the opposing team, that's not character building. So that's something we can control. And the other thing is, if you want to get into this umpire thing, I think there's too much that's put on your guy's plate that you're trying to get safer out, ball or strike. Now you're worried about the donut or the guy on deck or yeah. the guy at the end of the dugout pushing them back in. Um, I have more assistant coaches that can control that or I can control that. You know, and if I get the one guy that's, hey, you got that foot out of the dugout, get that foot. And I'm like, <laughs> if you're worried about my left foot yeah. being out of the dugout, you you got too much on your plate or you're better than I am because yeah. I can't. My plate needs to be very small, I guess. So, well, and, and then on the flip side, this is a fun conversation because we can, you know, we're educating people here, too, is on the yeah. flip side, you know, you get the, the argument. Oh, just watch the game. You know, if, if you address something or whatever and and my argument is to response to that is like i'm trying to you're not letting Mm -hmm. me you're either Mm -hmm. yelling at me when i turn when i turn away or you know that type of thing so again it's it's the balance it's so funny how things can sway one way uh based off of delivery based off of you know whatever you know hey pick up the donut it's got to be hey can you 
can you pick that up for me, please? Thank you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love asking or uh, please and thank you, I think go a long way because it's hard to give a, an order, like a directive with mm-hmm. <laughs> saying, yeah. please, thank you. That's my attitude. And yeah. like, pick that up, please. Like, hey, yeah. can you please pick that up? Thank you. Like, if you do that, the language is everything. And that's stuff I've learned over the years in, in, uh, in working games. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, I believe in the same philosophy here. You know, I, going back to my dugout, I, we talk about being detailed and everything, the way we wear the uniform, the way we present, the way we clean up our dugout, the way we have the field ready for a game, um, the way we present ourselves, uh, we're trying to be detailed. So, so those little details, I think, are sloppy if you have four guys. This is my person. This is Randy Benton's personal flat where you got four guys outside the dugout. And I know COVID now, and you see that now yeah. because of COVID restrictions and guys in the dugout. But when it wasn't, you know, I didn't want the donut out. I wanted all the bats put away. I wanted you to have baseballs. If you look over at me and go, hey, I need four. <laughs> I wanted my guy hustling out to give you four baseballs, not throwing them at you or handing them to you, doing it the right way. Hey, making sure you guys had water. Mm-hmm. Uh, making sure you guys, because you have a job to do and I want you to do it the best. And if you're worried about something that I can control that maybe affects not an outer safe call, but just you doing your job, that's a detail. And mm-hmm. I want to be, I want to be on top of that before you have to tell me. And there's sometimes it slips. Hey, Randy, mm-hmm. man, the donut or, Hey, get that guy back in the dugout. I get, Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, get in here. You know, I'll make a mockery <laughs> tease that guy in the dugout. So it won't happen again. Yeah. You know? Because honestly, your guys don't want to deal with that. You just want to get it safe out, right or wrong. You oh, know? I just thought of another play, by the way. Another, oh. another random, <laughs> random thing that happened to us. And I don't know if you were right. I'm pretty sure you were right, though. So it's a little credit. To, and it's something, as soon as it happened, I changed something I did my entire umpiring career. Uh, something I did differently after that. It was Azusa Pacific. And you guys at their place early in the season, uh, maybe an opener, but there was a play at first base. I was at third base, nobody on. I'm jogging across towards second base and there's a throw to first and it was a possible swipe tag of the batter and the plate guy and the first base guy are both looking hard to see if there was a tag, right? And there was no tag. They were both on it and the batter, you know, went past the base or whatever he did. Like uh, he ran yeah. to first base, avoiding the tag. And you argued, Hey, you didn't touch first base. Well, both guys happened to be watching to see the tag. Cause it was so close. And I remember thinking it's a third base umpire, man, I got nothing else to do. I should have been watching to see if the batter touched first base. So now every time third base umpires, I'm jogging to second base. I don't care if the guy's out by 40 feet. I would, I would say in my head or out loud, even, Batter touch first base. Nope, he veered off and didn't touch it. Whatever. Um, even though I'm far away, I, I remember that weird play, yeah. and it caused yeah. me to change something about myself and my umpiring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, you got great memory. You know, my my game, my mind starts to like. I think it's filling up. The older I get, the you know, I think of it as a computer. I, I need to redo my data because it's all filling up up there. But uh, uh, you know. I don't remember that particular play, but I, I'm glad I had some. If, if it was me to influence that, that's great. Because I've been out to argue and they go, okay, there's two, like say on that, hey, are you arguing, was he tagged or was he safer out? Yes. Have you, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So, so wait, you can't argue both. You can't get them both, but you got to come up with a split second here. Was he, did he touch the base or was it on the tag? And I'm like, 
He didn't touch the base because I think he tagged him. He did touch the base. And I remember that one. But sometimes there's the one you can't argue both. You can't do, hey, did he touch him with the tag? Oh, and I want, he didn't touch the base. You can't have them both. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I, I remember or I've had calls where the umpire's like, okay, you got to give me one. It's got to be one or the other. It can't be both. Yeah. And, what do you uh, want me to ask him? Yeah. yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you can get additional information for those that don't know when the, the crew does get together and it's changed a lot because of replay and everything. But in general, uh, you can only ask like addition to your crew to provide you additional information. So, Hey, did you have a tag there? Not, Hey, do you think he was safer out, you know, on a, a slide or something? Uh, hey, did you have the field or touch the base or not? Hey, did the, did you see the ball on the ground? Like, providing mm -hmm. information, not saying, Hey, what do you guys think of this play judgment wise? So yeah, there's a tactic. Uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah uh, so I, I, I've learned from that too, because I, I now try to get the best one that I think could change. <laughs> I, no, and that's true. Hey, Cause you have to, and, and I, as umpiring, you know, as coaches, you're trying to stay steps ahead of the game and everything. I try to stay steps ahead. I try to mm -hmm. think of what, what can I possibly because every play is, is different and there's routine, but there's not routine. And, and mm -hmm. you have to provide, you have to have your mind and eyes ready for the last possible thing that could happen because it could in fact happen. Baseball is a game of, Hey, uh, what if, right? You back up yeah. the throw just in case someone overthrows it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's baseball. Just, just yeah. what if game. What I always say, expect the unexpected because that's going to come up. And if you don't do it, or you're not in that spot, that's when it shows up. Yeah. And that's when the game costs us. So I always oh, expect great. the worst thing that could happen. Um, it's tough to, to, to have 18 to 21 year olds understand that. But uh, if we make it a habit, you know, I try and make it a habit to back up that base or back up that throw or, or block that, you know, whatever. But oh yeah. No habit fun. habits are a, a reflection uh, of you. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Randy, let's take a break from uh, current uh, state of the okay. college baseball. Let's go okay. back to your early days. Where did you grow up and where did you uh, play ball as a kid? Yeah. You know, I grew up in, uh, was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan. My, I'm a transplant Michiganian out here to California. And I got out here about two or three with my parents. Uh, they moved out here for, uh, a church, uh, mission group type stuff. Uh, so I grew up in actually Highland, Highland, California, mm -hmm. uh, San Bernardino Highland. Uh, yeah. If anybody's familiar with that, uh, mm -hmm. over there, uh, played at Highland Little League, uh, uh, then went on to a private school. My mom was the principal, actually, so I had to be on my best behavior. Uh, <laughs> so I was a, uh, the private school a young man, um, and then went on to Riverside Community College. Uh, played three years. I wasn't quite ready to play, and physically and mentally wasn't played. And that was a high program at that point, high standards, and I wasn't ready to play at those standards. And <laughs> kind of worked and worked and worked and you know, played a couple of years there and was able to go on to ASU, Arizona State University, and got a scholarship to play for Coach Brock. And then he passed away, unfortunately, and played in the College World Series, finished third uh, in the nation that year, uh, played with some really great guys. And next thing you know, the California Angels at that time, California Angels, yeah. uh, came calling in the uh, um, 26th round or said, hey, would you like to play baseball? And I'm like, yeah, but I, can I get a signing bonus? They're like, do you want to play professional baseball? <laughs> I was like, yes, well, then you'll take what we give you, a thousand bucks and uh, a plane ticket. And, um, you know, the, you know, then I ended up playing six years, got as high as AAA and uh, had a great experience, met a lot of good coaches, a lot of good uh, guys I played with, still keep in contact today. And um, then this crazy world 
uh, goes into baseball. I want to coach. I want to keep playing. I want to keep being a part of this game that gave me such a great career. And, uh, you know, went back to the junior college, finished my, finished my degree, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, went on to get a master's degree, thought I was going to be a junior college coach and uh, wasn't meant to be. Went over to UC Riverside, which uh, Doug Smith, Andrew Checkets, Nathan Choate, uh, Rusty McNamara coached with some great guys over there. Uh, just to name a few of the Inland Empire guys. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, Cal Poly, uh, I knew Ashman was going to retire and interviewed for the job and got it. And I've had some great assistant coach. You mentioned Coach Latchman. Brent Latchman was a great addition and helped really get this program up and running with myself. And uh, Jensen Torres, Joe Villa, Jimmy Ramos, Stacy Parker, uh, Kevin Bowler. I mean, I could go on and on. Yeah. Uh, Tim Burton. We've, I've had... I've been surrounded. I've been lucky to be surrounded with a lot of great coaches to help me uh, get to where I am today. So that's oh. my story. And that's my, my story in my little nutshell there. I like it. I like it. Well, yeah. a lot to, uh, a lot to react to. So yeah. uh, I've been to uh, grand Rapids, great city uh, mm-hmm. umpire there for the uh, West, uh, West Michigan Whitecaps. Yeah. I don't know if they were around back when you were a kid there, Yeah. no, <laughs> nope. <laughs> But uh, yeah, great city. I really, uh, I like Michigan, pure Michigan. Yeah. You see all the signs everywhere. It's a yeah. nice state. So anyway, uh, California high school. So did you play for Dennis at, was he yeah. coaching RCC? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It was his second year. Uh, his first year was there. I graduated in 90 and his first year was there in 89. Uh, so 90 was the same team. They came back from 89. They finished third in the state or second in the state. Uh, came back in 90 and that team was all there. I had no chance of breaking that lineup. <laughs> um, and, you know, he just mentored me. He, yeah. he, he was uh, a wow figure for me. He was a father figure. Uh, my dad passed away. Uh, so I had this, this, this aggressive coach who got after umpires, never let him down. <laughs> he was always on them, expected the best. Uh, coach Scalinas mentality stuff, uh, mental toughness, uh, embrace the hard. I mean, I could go on and on of all these isms, but, um, you know, next thing you know, I look up and I'm like, this is what I want to do, man. This guy, I liked baseball, but then I, I really started to love baseball. Now I have passion for it. That's kind of my three things. You, I think everybody starts to like it, then they love it, then they have passion for it. Those are my three deals on it. But uh, um, I look back and I go, man, what great memories and JC baseball back then was you had a fall season and a spring season, exactly what I needed. You had like 35 games in the, in the fall where you played outside competition, you were playing, playing. Then you had like a 58 game season. So it was nothing but, but academics and baseball at that point. So, yeah. so would you say that Dennis Rogers kind of, he, he lit a spark to where you thought maybe down the road after you were done playing that you would end up coaching? Was that kind of the, the genesis? Yes. Yes. This is exactly right. I knew I was going to maybe get a career. I wanted to go to a four-year school and, but I look back and I go, man, this guy made such an impact on me and the game. And as a person, I hope someday I'll be able to give back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I did think my, my mom's in uh, principal, as I said, so teaching aspect was there. My, my sister, I have two sisters. One's in, and teaching my, my, my wife is a teacher. So I just surrounded myself with that same teaching mentality. I don't, I know I'm a coach as a title, but I like to consider myself as a teacher, a life teacher a little yeah, bit. So, yeah. so yeah. 
Well, so you go to Arizona State, great baseball yep. program, a, yeah. a lot of history there. Um, well, first of all, what position were you, Randy? Yeah, I was a middle infielder. I played shortstop at junior college and uh, then went on to play shortstop at uh, Arizona State. And did you, middle play, infield. did you play with any guys uh, there who eventually uh, reached the big leagues or any names yeah. from Arizona State? Yeah, there's a few guys, uh, Jacob Cruz, Anton Williamson, Todd Cady, uh, Paul LaDuca was there. Uh, that's kind of maybe the bigger one. I didn't play with him, but he was there a year before mm-hmm. uh, I got there. He was there in, uh, that would have been 93. Um, yeah, that team, we still kind of keep in contact on uh, some social media platforms a little bit, but uh, those are great memories. But yeah, we did lose Coach Brock uh, that, actually that summer uh, when we were in the World Series. A uh, story with him, he, he had uh, liver cancer and it just attacked his body and uh, um, he was fighting for his life the whole way. Made it all the way to a regional in Tennessee. We won that. Uh, then went to Omaha and about the third game in Omaha, uh, he had to be flown home and, and died about a, a week after we were eliminated. So, yeah, that's very sad. Yeah. That was sad. Um, well, going to college. But yes. Great memories. Sorry. Oh Go yeah. Ahead. I mean, going to college in Tempe, that's, that's mm-hmm. a blast. I, you know, I, I, I've been there before hung out out there and then Omaha, the original, uh, you know, Rosenblatt, I got to go mm-hmm. as a graduation president in 2008 to go okay. see uh, a few games in the college world series and still one of the most fun things I've ever done. But, but what was that like playing there in Rosenblatt, the college world series to me, that's, to me, that's the best, uh, one of the best sporting events there is. So what was it like playing there? Well, God, I, I was so nervous. I was so <laughs> nervous, you know, because this is what it built up for, right? That was the pinnacle of like eight teams fighting for a national championship. We were going to be involved in, and, once the game started, they said, Hey, there's 26,000 people at this game, man. It's going to be crazy or 20, maybe 20,000 at that point. But I can remember the game just slowing down and going back to what Dennis talked to me about, about breathing, slowing the game down, not making it too big, slow it down one pitch at a time. I don't remember the crowd, but I remember every play in every game. Uh, but I don't remember the crowd cheering, hollering. I remember Looking back at my, my, my boys, I have two boys. Uh, they've gone back to find them on U- YouTube and see me in the dugout. And I'm about this big. I'm super skinny at the point, you know, just a twig, 150 pound kid running around out there and uh, made some plays. And uh, I look back at that. I go, man, there were quite a few people there. And, and man, I didn't know I made that backhand. I remember I made a diving play against Miami to kind of changed the game. I, I, I remember that still gives me goosebumps talking about it, but uh, I was diving play up the middle, got up, threw the guy out and came off the field pumping. My kids make fun of me because it was a bad, it was a bad <laughs> pump. It was, it wasn't very good. <laughs> dorky dad back then. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Dorky jumping up and down. You know, just, it didn't look good. It wasn't oh, good. Oh, that's great. But, yeah. Rosenblatt, I, I just can't imagine playing there. That's yeah. just yeah, 20,000 people or whatever. Just yeah. a great, great scene. The, the diamond up on the hill. Uh, yeah. very cool stuff. So, uh, you get, uh, selected, you said to get into yeah. professional yeah. baseball. And, and I like talking uh, with guys about this, who've been in the minor leagues, because there's nothing like the minor leagues. You can't explain it to people who haven't done it. Uh, I, I kicked around for four years and, and, uh, that was plenty of time for me. So, uh, but tell me as a player going from college where you have decent crowds or whatever, and I don't know about the facilities, whatever, but you go from college baseball to professional baseball. Was that just like uh, shock and awe for guys like you and your peers? <laughs> That's such a great, 
great question because yes, uh, I get shipped out. Uh, I played at Arizona State. We had fifteen hundred a game. You know, two thousand people at our stands. People yelling up there, "Go Devils!" You know, uh, giving me all the sign. You know, the the Tiger, the Spark, Go Sparky sign, and yeah. you know, know my name and know who I am. And you know, I felt like a celebrity, right? You know, uh, then I go to this town where no one knows who I am, Boise, Idaho, and <laughs> there's. I don't know, maybe 500 people there, uh, half of them, uh, maybe, maybe not in the state of mind. They should be, you know, yeah. dollar beers or Cheap whatever. Beer, and, yeah. 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 Dollar beers. And, and they're the, just there for the beer batter. That's another good mind. Like, sure. If we want to go into beer batter, I was out a few times. That's, a That's lot when of, the guy, yeah. A lot of pressure on umpires for the, when they hear the beer batter, let me tell you, talk yeah. about every pitch. Oh my goodness. Oh, come yeah. on. Ooh. Yeah. All of a sudden it's dollar, a dollar beer and, Instead of four dollar beer or whatever, it was three dollar <laughs> beer or whatever, and you were that guy. I remember they 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 announced it. I'm going on a tangent here, but oh, good. Uh, let me go back. I'll get to that story. But uh, Boise, and then I went to Cedar Rapids that same year, and uh, uh, boy, uh, the bus trips, the broken down buses, no air condition, the video wouldn't work. You know, uh, doubling up in the buses, uh, overnight trips. Uh, gosh, it was uh, quite an experience. I was an umpire of Boise, so I know what you mean. And okay. I'm part of yeah. Cedar Rapids. Okay, uh, so I know yeah. I know, I know these cities. <laughs> they are not that glamorous. And and what's crazy for college kids going into to professional baseball is the whole concept of playing every single day. Uh, every day, bus trip. Hey, you had, a, you had a tough day yesterday? Okay, get on a bus and drive 600 miles so you're playing again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that everyday grind that, I think breaks some guys are like, I, yeah. I liked baseball to your point. I liked it, but I don't love it. Or I'm not passionate enough about it mm-hmm. to continue doing this. So a lot of guys wash out for that reason. And uh, for you to do it six years, man, really speaks to your, uh, to your competitive uh, grind. And yeah. You know, uh, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I think I should have an award for six years, but uh, six <laughs> years in the minor leagues, never a day in the big leagues either, but I yeah. uh, always had that dream, but, but yeah, you know, those, those times where you're 0 for 4, 0 for 5, or lose a heartbreak game, shower, you know, maybe there's no one there to support you, give you a hug after the game. Hey, but we got to get to Grand Rapids <laughs> from Cedar Rapids. Uh, you know, we got we got a nine-hour bus trip, and the bus leaves at, at 10 p.m., and you're getting in there at 7 in the morning. Uh, oh, and then you got BP at 2 in the afternoon. You sleep till noon. You grab – chick-fil-a or whatever you can get in your system you know peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> yeah get you know the eating habits so so you think this is a is minor league is glamorous i mean you're in these peanut butter and jelly it's probably not sanitary you know the things you're eating off of yeah uh your clothes are half washed you know you're wearing the same socks you're unpacking your own bag <laughs> you know you're just grabbing a locker uh, shower towels, these showers, you got to wear shower shoes. And I mean, just, yeah. you could go on and on about minor league stories, but, uh, uh those are funny. No. So you get to your, your final season. Um, yeah. and did you make the decision or were, were you released? Uh, like most guys are, I mean, yeah. what was that phone call like, or that decision like for you? Yeah. Well, I went to spring training that year trying to make the triple a club. And I told myself, if I don't make the triple a club, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to walk away. I, I I didn't, I thought I had a good relationship with the angels where they weren't going to release me, but they weren't going to keep me in extended. I wasn't going to be 27 and extended spring training. Yeah. I was just going to bow out. Cause I think, you know, we all, 
we all, the game all says taps us on the shoulder says hey that's enough mm-hmm. or we get released right and uh they gave me the angels did awesome with me they they said hey we're gonna send you to to lake elsinore so i live here in riverside i was i wasn't married at the time but they said hey, we'll send you to lake elsinore and we'll make you a player coach because we know you want to coach and we respect what you do and how you do oh. it and i said you know what that's a great i'm, I'm in I'm in. You're going to make a little bit more than a player would. Uh, we'll, we'll make it higher than what you made in AAA. We'll fulfill that contract. And I was like, great. Well, little and behold, about halfway through the year, I never played in a game at El- Elsinore, but uh, I threw BP. I hit fungos. I mentored some of the guys. Uh, a coach gets fired up higher up, and they said, hey, you're going you're gonna to go to Cedar Rapids to be the hitting coach. And I'm like, wait, wait. So I'm going to be an employee – now, full-time benefit, and they're like, yes, and you're going to – can say in your resume you're a coach, a full-time coach. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. I took the job and had half a year, did reports, uh, was able to work with the players, uh, got to meet um, some great coaching coaches that were there. I knew them already, so yeah. I fit right in. I was, I was this young, wide-eyed, ready to throw BP 100 miles an hour, and, and these poor guys didn't know what was coming, and uh, they were halfway through the year, and – you know, some want to move up, some were getting sent down. And anyways, it, it was a, it was a great year of seeing what a coach's lifestyle in the minor leagues was. So oh, I got yeah. to see both the player and the coach. Yeah. And that's pretty cool to do it like immediate like that, to, to follow up from playing to being a coach. And was it weird kind of coaching with yeah. guys that weren't that much younger than you? Yeah. You know, yeah. Age? It was, it was a weird time for me because the coaches were older, the players were too young. So I was in that, who do, who, I couldn't hang with the players because I knew that player coach separation, but yet those guys were married, you know, kind of doing their thing. So <laughs> we'd go on the road and their, their wives would go with them or they, you know, they, they would have their families with them. And I was by myself. So I seemed like I was always by myself until I went to the baseball field, you know, to the yard. Uh, yeah. to actually what, you're, the what you're explaining is exactly what it was like as a baseball umpire in the minor leagues. You're not quite yeah. as old as the managers or coaches. You're a little older than the players, but similar age and by yeah. yourself a lot. So that's yeah. what it was kind of like. <laughs> so yeah. I- and, and, you know, the funny thing, what I ended up doing was at home, you'd have, I really became a good golfer because I'd want to get up. I, I didn't want to have that players mentality where I'd sleep until noon, you know, get up, go to the field. So I try and get up, but the umpires were always in for golf. You know, the umpires would always have their golf clubs and I'd be yeah. like, Hey, we got a hookup over here at uh, Cedar Rapids country club. Uh, you want to play when you're in town or, you know, the first night of a six game series, they'd be like, yeah, let's, you know, is there a golf course? And I go, <laughs> Hey, you know what? You know, I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to get thrown out. I, I am, I'm not the manager the, wins and losses aren't on my record. Let's go play golf. And, and I'd get to know those guys and, and, uh, and play golf with them. So it was that's fun. funny. That's funny. Yeah. 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 I, I, that's the thing that people need to understand about the minor leagues, players, coaches, umpires, managers, trainers, everyone is going through this season together. That is why it, it's such a big deal at times when, you know, guys get shown up or something in, in professional baseball. Cause it's like, wait a minute, we're all out here. It doesn't matter if you, you know, signed a big signing bonus, or if you are just, you know, a 50th round guy, you know, a free agent or whatever, like we're all out here together. We're all riding that bus. We're all in this 140 <laughs> game season in 150 days or whatever. So that's where I think a lot of these unwritten rules of baseball and this and that stem from too, is, is just the lifestyle 
not only in professional baseball, but minor league baseball. Yeah. Minor league. I mean, I think everybody sees the the big leagues and they're flying on jets and yeah. someone's, you know, someone's taking their bags and these lush clubhouses and spreads and, and the money they're making uh, minus that by a thousand. And then you got the minor <laughs> leagues. <laughs> And you got to grind through that to get a shot, uh, you know, at the big league. So Randy, and yeah, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. No. And then, you know, there's so many factors of why, why you shouldn't get to the big leagues. That's why the 1% of the 1% of the 1% get there. Not only the talented guys rise, but they can deal with adversity. They stay healthy. Uh, they don't get sidetracked. You know, it, it's, it's a grind. It really is. That's all I want to say. Sorry. Oh no. And honestly, yeah. the guys who, a lot of guys like the stars we all know to, you know, Mike Trout w- was in the minor leagues a year or maybe, or whatever yeah. it was, you know, guys like that aren't in the minor leagues very long. There are plenty of guys that put in a five or six year career to get to where they want to be. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, mo- that's why I admire, admire minor leaguer players, co- everybody umpires, because you get involved in something that if you're honest with yourself, you really don't have a realistic shot of attaining, but you're going to try for it. And that right. is something that's, I think very admirable uh, guys. Yeah. Yeah. You're putting yourself out there. You know, you, you have passion for the game or love the game, whichever stage you're in and you want to see how far you can take it. I mean, we, we've taken ground balls and thrown balls and our whole lives and, you know, and, and then you think of, Hey, how many guys get an opportunity to play high school baseball? Then you think of all the percentage. Well, who gets to play in college? Okay. What are the percent, the odds we continue to beat as we move up. And that's pretty damn good. You know, that's pretty, pretty damn good odds to get where we did get, you know, in the minor league. So, uh, unfortunately we did, we never all got to the big leagues and made millions, but, uh, we, we beat a lot of odds to get as far as we did. Absolutely. And, and so you go from, uh, coaching in the minor leagues, how long did you coach in the minor leagues before you, you came back? Just, uh, just one half season. That was one it. half season. Okay. Yeah, and then you one came half home. Season. Yep. My, uh, I was going to get married that year. And, uh, uh, my wife was like, Hey, you know, uh, I think that might be enough of that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, the college, I knew the college lifestyle was where I kind of wanted to go um, a, a little bit more. I thought I could make more of an impact on the kids and, and get back to the game a little bit more. I, I, I think baseball is what I do. It's not defines who I am. And I think in the minor leagues, you spend so much of your life doing that, that you miss so much along the way. And not that you can't enjoy life or your, but your family gives up so much for you. And I wasn't willing to do that. I wanted to be, my wife was working at the time and, and supporting and paying all the bills. So I wanted to be present. So <laughs> good decision, real good decision. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so you got right into coaching. You said RCC was your first stop. Yep. Yep. RCC after, after Cedar Rat or after uh, the angels, uh, Dennis hired me on as a, I was adjunct faculty. So I taught a few activity classes and then, uh, you know, just helped him out for, for a couple, three, four years. I think uh, we won a couple state championships. I think it won three in a row, 2000, man, these, these years run together, but I think it was 2000, yeah. 2001, 2002. I was there in 2001 and 2002 uh, with him uh, on those ch- championship runs. And then, um, yeah, yeah, it was a great time. Great, great uh, challenge to, uh, he let me, have full autonomy of the infielders and, and, and kind of go with it and, and learn by doing, and then uh, recruiting. Uh, I've just kind of figured it out as I've gone. It's been great. 
Well, you mentioned some other names, you know, after you went to UCR and, and you coached with, uh, you know, Doug Smith and you said Nathan yeah. Chode, who's now the LMU yeah. head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've, you've learned from a lot of different people, but outside of like Dennis Rogers, who are some other coaches that you yourself kind of learned uh, the most from as far as coaching goes, not necessarily baseball, but, but there's baseball and then there's coaching baseball. And there, there is kind of a, a transition there that guys go through. So as far as coaching young men, who are some other guys you learned from besides Dennis Rogers? Well, in a roundabout way, Coach Scalinas. I, I never coached under him. Uh, I never coached against him. I just have heard the stories and know what he was as a person and what he was as a coach. So in a roundabout way, uh, Dennis and, and uh, Jimmy Ramos have given me that. Um, obviously Doug Smith, Gary Adcock, uh, Brian Green. I'm going to go under the family of RCC here a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's a lot. And, yeah, Andrew Checkets. Uh, he has a major impact on me on recruiting. Uh, Nathan Choate uh, on recruiting, on pitching evaluation. Uh, him and Andrew. Uh, uh, Andrew's at Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. Um, you know, a lot of it has been observing from the guy across the field, Coach Coach Horton, I've never, I've never coached with Coach Horton, but from across, Dave Serrano, um, uh, gosh, man, I'm going to miss some names here, but uh, uh, Mike Gillespie, uh, you know, those guys had maybe not coached me or I coached with them, but seeing how they run a program from the other side have had influence on how I coach today. And uh, um you know, things I look for because maybe I got exposed. They beat me on something. I'm like, I'm never going to let Mike Gillespie yeah. go go hit and run, hit and run, hit and run three straight in a row and be successful in all three. <laughs> I'm not going to let that happen again. We're going to pitch out. We're going to do something different. You know, I'm just using that example. Or yeah. The safety squeeze or just uh, maybe something in a game or just seeing how they handled th- their self as professionals. Um, uh, that's what I've kind of learned. So maybe not direct contact but indirect contact that have had an influence on me and then obviously all the coaches in the cc2a uh because this is my first head coaching gig um you know some of the older coaches have had major influence on me some of the younger coaches coming in have had influence on me to direct who i am today as a coach it's interesting that that wasn't something i expected to hear was that you can learn from guys you compete against not having worked with them before but it makes sense i mean uh what's a yogi bearism you you can observe a lot by watching or something like that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. my favorite Sounds, quotes yeah uh it's that's very i mean and it's it's uh make no mistake it it's not a mistake that a lot of the guys you mentioned who were your colleagues as an assistant coach uh ended up being head coaches at D1 programs themselves and, and just had great success. I want to ask you kind of while we're on that topic, um, what for you is the biggest difference since you've done both now in being an assistant coach versus a head coach? There's, there's some, you know, obvious examples. You have the lineup cards and this and that, but what would you say if you could characterize or summarize, summarize what are the key differences really in being an assistant uh, versus being uh, the head man in charge? Well, (laughs) that's such a big question, man. It it really is. Uh, You never know it till you get it. You always think you're ready to be a head coach as an assistant. If I was a head coach, man, I would do X, Y, and Z different. I have all the answers. And then somebody hands you the keys and says, okay, you're the head coach now. Go run a program. 
Um, it's more than just the wins and losses on there. It's guiding a whole culture. And as an assistant, you're part of that. And a coach gives a head coach gives you direction on what he, his vision is for a program. And then you go do it. So it's somebody else's vision, but yet you kind of put your stamp on it a little bit. Um, but as a head coach, you're the one that has to be in control of what you think it needs to look like, what is important to you as, as a head coach. And obviously the wins and losses are on your name, which is beyond it. But yet if a, a kid gets in trouble, who are they calling? They're calling the head coach. If a kid gets thrown out of the game, who's getting called into the AD? Or if you get thrown out of the game, who's getting called into the AD? Or if assistant gets thrown out of the game, who's getting called into the AD? This guy. So uh, there's things you think you're prepared for, um, but then there's things that you're never prepared for. And that's just the baseball side of it. Then you think off the field side of it, academic, um, mental awareness of the kids, where they're at mentally, um, making sure they feel as positive as they can on and off the field, dealing with, with alumni, build, dealing with budgets, transportation, hotels, uh, meal monies. Uh, these are just things that are, are small things. People think, oh, that's easy stuff. You have somebody that does that for you. Well, as a division two coach, that's you. Yeah, <laughs> that, That's not the manager. Uh, that is you. So there's other, le- there's other levels to it as a division one assistant or division one head coach, uh, then as a division two assistant, and I'm sure a division three assistant, and then as a head, head coach as a high school. Those are completely different things too. So I think every level has different challenges, uh, but we're never ready until you get there. Yeah, it's crazy that your first head coaching job for anywhere, right? Was Cal, Cal Poly mm-hmm. Pomona where you're currently at. So yeah. you, you've learned a lot <laughs> as you've gone. Right. And so, yeah. uh, I, it sounds to me, Randy, like uh, man, the easy part is game day. Like, let's just, let's throw that first pitch and everything, <laughs> you know, all the other stuff that, that, that is right on. I mean, the easiest, the best part of my day. And, and, and I hope my, my staff and boss is not listening to this. The best part of my day is going to the field. It is. Because I know once I get out there, it's strictly baseball mm. and things that, that are within baseball, um, dealing with mental toughness, dealing with, with a player, uh, developing a player, developing a, a program. Uh, that's stuff that is, is out there between the fences. But once I walk a, outside that fence, that's when the real world hits again. So, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the best part of my day. And once that first pit's thrown, hey, man. That's the best. Those uh-huh. are the best, the best times of the day. The oh, best. Man. If you can, I, I've always been curious, you know, as an umpire, we have our, this season, you know, it's roughly four months, mm-hmm. uh, 15 weekends or whatever it is. And, you know, there's some buildup to the season. We have tests we got to take. We got to try to get, you know, uh, physically ready to, and, and this and that, get our gear and things. But you know, it's, it's roughly not a whole bunch of buildup as far as the off season go there's testing. And, but if you can, for me, um, I'm sure other levels are similar. You coach at the division two level, but if you can, for me, take me through a year of your responsibilities and things you have to do. Uh, I know the season starts late January, early February, whatever it is. And it ends in May or early, or, you know, June or so. But once the season ends, what is the time frame? What goes on between the end of the season and the beginning of the next season in usual years, not the COVID year? <laughs> well, and that's a big question too, man. You're asking these real, 
whammer questions. Man. I haven't you got I haven't, it. I haven't got to, I mean, this is, see, this is fun for me because I okay. usually, you are the one asking me questions about a play yeah. I missed or, or got right. Whatever. <laughs> now this is my chance to turn the table. Yeah. Well, you have, um, <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's, let's just say once the season's over, uh, um, we'll just talk about the current team. Uh, there's exit meetings. Um, you meet with every player individually. There's collecting the uniforms. There's no one on campus that does that. That's this guy too. So I got to <laughs> inventory everything. Um, these are just little things that we do. Uh, but then there's NCAA compliance stuff. There's renewals of scholarships. Uh, some guys might be unhappy and might be leaving your program. Um, you might have to deal with academic issues because usually the semester is not over yet. So you kind of let the finals get through and then you meet with the kids. Well, well, what about summer ball? Guys going out to play summer ball. What about recruiting the guys that are graduating? So uh, these are all things you thought about during the year, not just, you know, that weekend, but you thought about through the year. But as you go into the summer, you, by NCAA rules, that used to be before COVID, you couldn't work with the players. So it was getting them out to go play the summer, um, making sure they're happy, going to come back, uh, making sure you retain your staff. Not only, you know, at Division II level, there's not a lot of money spread around for assistance. So you got to make sure those guys are coming back. Um, uh, like I said, then inventorying, um, um, compliance issues. Uh, me, there's certain tests that I have to take uh, via NCA rules that, that I need to make sure I'm up to speed with uh, uh, recruiting tests and things like that. Um, then I usually get a couple weeks off in the summer there for me just to usually after the, after all that's done, that's when I usually get sick. I know that's going to sound where I get a cold <laughs> because I can finally let my body down. Yeah. You know, because I, I'm on, I'm on full go. I'm on full go. We're going a thousand miles a, a minute. And then all of a sudden, finally, I let my body relax and I get sick. You know, I usually get sick in that June, July, August, and then August kicks in and it starts over. It's uh, getting kids into school. Mm. You know, it's uh, recruiting a new class. Um, it's getting kids back after summer school. Who's injured? Who's, who's healthy? Uh, then we go into the fall. Um, and starting all over, even if it's, if it's a, a big group returning, um, I assume they know nothing or they forgot everything. And, and we go back to redeveloping and then summer, uh, I'm sorry, a winter comes. And then we take a little break there. And then once after Christmas, it's full nuke until June, baby, it's full go. Uh, and that's how I like it. But, uh, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, I could go yeah. into more pieces of it, but no, that's, that's great. Kind of no, that's yeah. great. I've always, because, you know, in college athletics, it's like a year, year long process. It's not just the weeks you're playing or, you know, a couple of weeks before practices, it's, you got your fall practices, you got your workouts, you got all kinds of things going on. So I was curious about kind of a, what a year looks like. Um, are most of your guys, talk about recruiting mm-hmm. Are most of your guys, like, how do you go about recruiting guys knowing that if you go out after really good players, chances are, I mean, realistically, they're they're signing Division One somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, do do you do you get a lot of D one bounce backs? Do you have to kind of really structure the type of guys you go after because most guys will sign D one probably? Or mm-hmm. take me into the recruiting process at Division Two. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, Division Two is a little unique. Uh, um, there's the the rules are changing constantly with the NCAA, but there used to be a Division One bounce back where if you were playing, say you played at, we'll use Santa Barbara as an example, and, and you weren't playing or getting the opportunity or, or just didn't have the great experience, 
you could come back to D2 and not have to sit, sit out a year. So mm-hmm. that's where we became attractive for division one bounce back. But what I do in the recruiting is look at what we're returning. What are our needs? Okay. We need three pitchers. We need a catcher and an outfielder. Okay. Well, we lost some power. So we need to find a power hitting outfielder. Okay. Well, we've done some showcases. We've done some, some local high school. We have connections with scouts, uh, local high schools. Uh, we've been to some showcases where we've seen some kids and made lists of kids that we fit in that 20 whatever class the 2021 2022 class whatever they fit in that so we've made notes or reached out to make contact and say hey if division one we know you're talking to some division one schools if that doesn't work out we just want you want you to know cal poly has has interest in you okay thank you coach but i want to see what uc irvine uc riverside has to offer then i'll give you a call well uc irvine uc riverside never materialized hey they call us back and, and now they interest and in, and that's how we get some of the freshman kids because hmm. um, everybody inspires to go to the highest level they can. And, and we totally understand that. Yeah. Um, but there's some kids that slip through the cracks um, on that side of it. Junior colleges is a big point of emphasis, emphasis for us too, because it's a ready-made player. Hmm. Usually it's, it's the kid that's an all conference, all state, all American type kid that will get um, that fringe division one. Um, kid that we'll get that maybe got overlooked um, division one doesn't give him love well Cal Poly gives him a little love and we love on him and next thing you know he says hey that's a great program great academic school it's affordable uh, it's it's in a great southern California area where scouts come they've had players drafted and I think I want to go to Cal Poly and they got scholarship money oh great okay yeah it's a win-win it's a win-win for everybody so yes. Now I know division one is 11.7 scholarships, whatever that's supposed yeah. to mean. What is, what is yeah. division two scholarship? Uh, we are, I think eight full, but we're not even fully funded. We're 4.2. Okay. So wow. we we're, the, the thing about the state, the UC system, I'm sorry, the CSU system is it's so inexpensive. Um, yeah. yeah. So a, a smaller scholarship for us is really helps the family out considerably. And you can package those deals. So say your financial aid, uh, and we give you, you know, just use round numbers, $3,000 and you get full financial aid Well, you can add that to your scholarship or to your package is what we call it. So, um, that can go to books or living or however you want to use it. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely probably a better situation for the CSU. Cause it, I mean, I was a CSU kid, okay. uh, you know, school-wise tuition isn't as bad as you play some privates. Now all the schools in your conference, I believe are either UC or, or CSU. So correct. Uh, so you're not fighting that, that the, those private school guys, they got a little bigger challenge financially, I think. Um, but I, I always find it interesting, like what brings guys to each level, because I've seen some amazing guys in, in division two guys that get drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't yeah. mean you can't play at the next level. And I think some guys shy away from D two at times, whereas you can be uh, an average guy in division one or be a star in division two. Right. So that's a fine balance. Yeah. And that's what we try to tell them the, the recruiting, you know, we, we feel like we do a really good job with, with the, the good fringe division one player. Mm-hmm. He might not be the elite player that the starting shortstop on a world series team or a power five conference, but we feel like the mid major, we do a good job in that mm-hmm. identifying that, that tweener player that could be that guy, but he comes to us and he gets an opportunity to play earlier in his career he gets an opportunity to develop because we're around really good coaches. We play in a really good conference, competitive top to bottom. Um, 
And like you said, you could come here and be a really, really good player with scouts going, hey, got the radar gun up or got the stopwatch on you uh, and are evaluating you rather than you charting in the in the dugout are are uh, sitting on the bench. So um, there's a lot of great things. And and the degree here is really solid. I mean, a degree at 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 you know, at those division one schools, just the same as what it is at our school. So educationally, you're, you're, you're still in a great thing. Athletically, you're still in a great environment as well. Oh yeah. Very, very well said. And, and do you think logistically maybe uh, proximity where you guys are helps recruiting in the sense that some kids love the idea of going away somewhere, but other kids, maybe they, they do it and they're like, ah, I want to be closer to home, you know, uh, it's a rich area, really the San Gabriel yep. Valley, you know, so there's a lot of talent here, but also a lot of options and places to go. So that's gotta be mm-hmm. tough. Yeah. You know, everybody kind of has a big pool of players and everybody's got their hands in there grabbing, but <laughs> I think where we're located, we can, we can get the San Gabriel Valley kid that wants to stay home. Um, that's, that's, that's wants to stay, live at home, parents see play. Maybe there's a situation um, at home where they need to stay home to help the family serve you know, work or whatever it might be. Uh, we can go into South Orange County. We can come in the Inland Empire. We can go into, um, you know, up in Stevenson Ranch, uh, Hart area, up Valencia up in that area. Or we can even go into Northern California. We usually stick within California. We don't usually go outside of California to recruit because there's so many good players here. Oh, yeah. uh, but, but where we're located, the, you know, the 10, 57, 60, uh, you know, all these changing intersections being right there. <laughs> I think it's attractive to kids because you could get home quickly. Your parent could come get you. If, if there's an accident or emergency, they could come get you. So um, I think there's a lot of positives where we're at. Oh, and yeah. scouts. Hey, I'm going to go this. I'm even going to pump us a little bit more. I think scouts like where we are because you could get to USC, UCLA. Uh, you can get to Fullerton. You can get to UCR. You could get down to San Diego if you had to. I think where we're located is really good for guys to come see a day game and get to a night game somewhere. Absolutely. That's a great point. I mean, you, yeah. you see it all the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I remember umpiring some games where it was, uh, who was your, uh, your, your big stud pitcher, giant guy, oh, Cody, Cody, something. Cody Ponce, Cody Ponce. Yep. Ponce. Yeah. I mean, he was a first rounder or a high draft pick mm-hmm. and he's playing yeah. uh He's pitching against the, the APU kid. I, I forgot his name. He was really. Or Stamont. They're both in the Stamont. big leagues. They're both in that? the big leagues. Yeah. yeah. I remember umpiring, <laughs> I remember umpiring uh, the first game of the season. And it was like, yeah, you got that game. I'm like, what? And it was just like these two stud pitchers and a million scouts there watching. I'm like, man, what a way to start the season. Yeah. Both big leaguers now playing at D2 schools. Yeah. They went to, I remember that game. And I think that's the game you're talking about the swipe tag, but I, I don't know if you had the plate on that one, but yeah, uh, both guys, <laughs> both guys throwing about 98 miles an hour. Uh, a thousand scouts, a thousand cross checkers, a uh, brass from every organization. And that's at a D2 level that I heard that was the most attended professional game of any game all year, uh, at least in our area, because of those two guys. I, I don't doubt it. I'm going to look yeah. behind me going like, oh, man, I got all the eyes Who's, on me. I got a, I got a lot of umpires behind me here. So yeah, uh, who, who better get this one right, man. This. <laughs> Well, and pitchers like that, I mean, the game's almost easier to call because it's like, yes, yes, no, yes. You know, it's, everything is just so fine tuned that, uh, you know, it, it's, you know what to expect and that always helps. So, uh, yeah, I, I always find recruiting interesting. Um, my last pitch to you kind of regarding that, and you've kind of touched on it already is what, what are you, 
you know, we talked about the, the, the level of players, but what is it you're looking for in players who come into your program? What's the type of kid you're looking for characteristics, just, um, what, what exemplifies a Cal Poly Pomona Bronco that Randy Benton's looking for? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, well, first we go academics. I mean, I, I obviously, well, let me rephrase that. Obviously we've recruited them to get them to this point to, to talk with them or meet with them is basic what they've done on the field. So I could athletically, they fit that box. Then we look at their academics. Okay. They fit that box. Then we meet with them face to face. I love to get a feel for them, but what I'm looking for is good character. Mm. I want someone that can handshake me, look me in the eye. Um, they kind of got a sense of humor. They can laugh with me. Um, they baseball is really important to them, but yet getting a degree is just as important. Um, being a part of a family, being a part of being successful, not winning and losing, but being successful. They want to be successful in every avenue of their life. Um, I, I kind of ask a lot of questions when we first meet, because like I tell them, as I'm recruiting them, they need to be recruiting me. They need to find out what Randy Benton's about. But, mm -hmm. but going to that is, as I try and ask a lot of questions, because in that short two hour visit, I want to know what makes this guy tick. I want to know, does he like to be re does he like to be coached hard? Does he like to be given a hug is, is his family at the game important? Um, I get to know uh, who's, who's made a major impact on them as a grandfather, a family member, uh, a mentor, coach, someone out there. I, I try and get, so it's a broad answer, but yet I try and get a good feel. I don't have really a, a button that I push and to go, okay, I'm looking for this kid. I like different personalities in the dugout. I do. I like to have everybody from different backgrounds. Um, different cultures. Uh, it, it just makes our dugout better. I want it to look like the world looks. I want there to be some guys that may be quiet, some guys that are loud and boisterous. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I, I think that makes us uh, a really solid program. So there's not really just, you know, like a tight thing. I, I do look for certain boxes to be checked, but within that boxes, I, I like some personality personality character that's uh those are great great things yeah. to look for um and yeah that's one thing i like about uh athletics is you push aside all the craziness of the world hey this mm -hmm. is my team i don't care where you're from what your background is like we're all yep. in this together this is us so that's mm -hmm. one great thing about sports is that uh you know beliefs and all these things that's all put aside it's like this is us we're all like we're all together yeah um, as far as the kids you recruit you've been a head coach for you know 10 years now uh, I, i've asked a few people this uh, I, I'm 36 years old. I've seen, uh, I'm not quite that millennial age or whatever, maybe I am, whatever the phrase is, but have you seen kids change over the years? Uh, what are some challenges in maybe how kids were 10 years ago versus they are now? <laughs> Boy, man. You, <laughs> yeah, you got me. Um, have kids changed? I think we've changed. I think society exactly. we've evolved. Um, is it a good, bad thing? I'm not, I'm not one to say if it's bad or it's different than how I was raised. I didn't yeah. have a cell phone. You know, I, I have three kids. I have a 19 year old. I have a 17 year old and I have a 14 year old. So I see that side of it. I have, I'm recruiting kids that are my son's age. So, yeah. it's, you know, I'm meeting with parents that are younger than me. So it's kind of a little weird, but, but I think, yeah, things have changed, but society's changed. We've all changed. We've all evolved. Um, well said. Well said. And, and I think for me, it's, 
it's staying up to the times I have to, because I'm dealing with that 18 to 22 year old young man. I need to know what, what goes. And for me, the big thing is the phone. The phone is something I never had to deal with yeah. until later in my life. And <laughs> we pass notes or, you know, gossiped or whatever. These guys are <laughs> exchanging text messages or, or likes or are not liking something fast enough. You know, I'm finding out all the do's and don'ts and, and, you know, I'm, I'm terrible at it. I I'm on the social platforms because I need to be relevant or up to speed with it. I try not to post anything. Uh, I try and retweet things that are about our program. Um, I'm, uh, but I am on there, but I follow things just, just to know what's going on. But, uh, uh, my kids will be like, dad, you know, who runs this or who does that? You need to get up to speed with things. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so that part of it, I'm not up to speed with, but, uh, uh, just, trying to be sympathetic to the kids too, mm-hmm. to understand that, that this is a different um, generation in a sense, phones are important to them, making sure that they, they have their time they need on those and whatever, but uh, yeah. <laughs> making sure that they understand uh, there's a time and a place for them as well. Time and a place, fine line. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, yeah. We've kind of repeated a lot of those things. Uh, yeah. as, as we kind of wrap things up here towards the, end, I, I want to ask you kind of three final bullet, like just quick hitters, but I'm, they might require a longer answer, but um, uh, just three things, favorite memories from coaching uh, things, you things you're most proud of as far as a coaching program or whenever, and then future goals for your program. So um, the first one, what are some of your favorite memories from coaching uh, things that jump off the page? Man, it, it, if it comes to coaching, it's obviously the yearly grinds with all those guys for 10 years, every story has been different. Every journey has been different along the way. So those journeys, wins and losses, great world series, regional appearances, but seeing those guys have success um, because we've been successful. We've, we've won a lot more than we've lost. Thank thank the Lord for that. But to see those guys have their moments and I tell them all every year, everybody's going to have a moment throughout this year. So that, but beyond that is watching these, we, such a good percentage of guys that graduate it's like 98 percent of our guys graduate so when they text me or send me pictures of graduation or i hear they graduated or i send them a text congratulations on graduating those are proud moments for me school was not i'm going in a big tangent school was not easy for me so to see these guys get through it but have a great uh opportunity on the field and great moments on the field but yet off the field, celebrate that with their families of graduation and walking down that achievement. That's, those are, those are really important moments for me. Well, that's uh, that's awesome. That kind of spills into the, uh, the second question I had with kind of uh, uh, you know, what's your, what did I say? Your uh, things you're most proud of. It seems yeah. like, yeah, just the kids yeah. grow watching them grow up. We get older, right. But the kids stay the same yeah. age. Right. Uh, and then finally kind of Randy, what are some future goals for, for you and, uh, and your program here going forward? I know you're not playing this year, but yeah. uh, what does the future look like for your program? Well, continue to do what we've been doing. And, and when, once we're playing and that's being successful on and off the field, uh, developing young men, uh, developing our coaching staff, developing our culture, um, continue to evolving the program because coach, as you mentioned, coach Scalinas's name is on this field. I'm trying uh, to do my best to keep pushing those phases forward. So phase three of our program is permanent bathrooms. And, and I don't know if I mentioned this or not yet, but 
permanent bathrooms, getting rid of the porta potties. Thank yeah. goodness, getting oh. rid of those. So we'll have umpires' room and and men's and women's restroom and a concession areas on site. Um, then after that, getting permanent seating, stands, press box, and then the last final phase would be uh, club a uh, permanent clubhouse with showers and lockers and uh, Hall of Fame rooms and and new batting facilities. Uh, so kind of that's what I'm going to continue to do. That that's my goal as I continue to push this program forward. I mean, um, I had this vision for where we would be, but did I know it would, it would take 10 years or get to where it is today? No, <laughs> but I thought we could, I thought it, it could get there and um, continue to keep recruiting good, good, solid families. that want to give back because mm-hmm. that's what it's been. It's been our alumni that have helped us out and got gotten back to us and, and, uh, that's what I want to be in five to 10 years or three years or a year from now. Great, I hope great we're talking stuff. a year. I hope we're talking a year from now and it's all completed, but. Uh, oh yeah. You know, I, I want, I want you back next year to come on this and, and tell me about all the, the success and things that have, uh, you know, been built and everything. That would be great. Uh, great stuff, Randy. This really was a pleasure talking to you about yeah. uh, your program, your, your baseball journey and everything. Uh, some umpire war stories. That's always fun too. Um, I, I am uh, very, very excited to put out this podcast. I think it came out really, really great. So I appreciate uh, your time. And um, yeah, man, you know what? You guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you guys win the 2019 CCAA tournament? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that. Okay. So these are all real good memories, obviously. But but uh, you know, there's some highlights in there along the way. But that was a pretty important one because we we're the sixth seed yeah. and had to win the tournament in order to get into the regional. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, my point is you guys are the, technically you guys are the defending CCAA champions going into 2022. You got a title to defend, right? You know what? Thank you for bringing that to my attention. And <laughs> it's, it, now that I have that, I'm going to put a banner up in That's our clubhouse right. that says, Hey, defending champs. Uh, the last possible conference tournament. So uh, that's exciting. Well, that's going to be my mantra over the whole summer is, Hey, we're still defending champs. No one's knocked us off that. Thank you. You got it, man. You got it. See, I'm I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Well, I wish you nothing but the best. I'm looking forward to the the Broncos being back on the field. And uh, I know it's a tough year for everyone in this season too, but I I appreciate you taking the time and, and I'm working on a few other names, a few other coaches also uh, Mm -hmm. to get here on the podcast. So, but I appreciate you being the the first one. Oh, well, man, I'm honored to be there and uh, to be the first guy or whatever, but Hey man, I appreciate (laughs) you, you taking the time. And I think it's a great support of uh, and, and for you to recognize our program is uh, really special to me. It means a lot. Oh, definitely, man. Always a pleasure working your games and uh, didn't agree on everything, but no one ever does, right? That's that's life. That's life. Yep. So, thank you so much, Randy. This All has right. been a pleasure. I will uh, I will uh, chat with you uh, sometime down the road. Sounds good. I'll look forward to it. Take care, Randy. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, what a pleasure that was chatting with Randy Benton on the Get Home Safe podcast. I just thoroughly enjoyed every second of that. Um, it's uh, like I said, many times on the field with Randy, he runs a great uh, program and uh, wishing him and the Broncos, nothing but the best in moving forward. So guys, thanks for tuning in today. I uh, hope you have a great weekend, whatever you're doing, but guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or round in third base, get home safe. Oh. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the Get Home Safe podcast. Anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like Apple, Spotify, Google, and many more. We also have a YouTube channel that is brand new for us. Not a whole lot of content on there yet, but we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward, as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time. So lots of options out there, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, offer uh, some suggestions or content uh, topics, or uh, just ask us some random questions. We always appreciate that. I know Bill Barnes does, especially on Wednesdays. So uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the Get Home Safe podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Guys, have a great rest of the week. And as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.